It's June 17th, 2022, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top story today, the United Nations Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights has released an updated civilian casualty count for the war in Ukraine. They estimate that a total of 4,481 civilians have been killed during the conflict, including at least 284 minors and a total of 5,565 injured, including 462 minors. They write that they believe that the actual figures are considerably higher due to the difficulty getting information from regions with the most intense fighting. The Russian occupation authorities have announced their intention to bring the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant under Russian control from September 1st, according to the Ukrainian state company Energoatom. The company went on to say that Zaporizhia NPP operates and will operate in the Ukrainian energy system and in accordance with Ukrainian legislation. Its temporary capture by the Russian military does not in any way mean the transfer of the station to the aggressor country. The plant has been occupied since March 4th. In a rare interview with the Western media organization, Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, spoke with Steve Rosenberg of the BBC yesterday and largely parroted previous statements. Lavrov said, We didn't invade Ukraine. We declared a special military operation because we had absolutely no other way of explaining to the West that dragging Ukraine into NATO was a criminal act. When pressed on reports of human rights violations and war crimes, Lavrov said, It's a great pity, but international diplomats, including the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, the UN Secretary General, and other UN representatives, are being put under pressure by the West, and very often they're being used to amplify fake news spread by the West. Elsewhere, Colombian polls show Gustavo Petro and Rodolfo Hernandez, both former mayors, are practically tied since advancing to the runoff following the May 29th first-round election, in which they beat four other candidates. Regardless of who is elected, the new Colombian president will be a departure from long-governing centrist or right-leaning presidents. Petro has promised to make significant adjustments to the economy, including tax reform, and to change how Colombia fights drug cartels and other armed groups. Hernandez is not affiliated with any major political party, and through an austere campaign waged mostly on social media, he promises to reduce wasteful government spending and go after corrupt officials. The British government vowed on Wednesday to organize more flights to deport asylum seekers from around the world to Rwanda after a last-minute court judgment grounded the first plane due to take off under the contentious policy. Prime Minister Boris Johnson's government says the plan is a legitimate way to protect lives and thwart the criminal gangs that send migrants on risky journeys from France across the English Channel. Meanwhile, Rwandan spokesperson Yolande Makolo said that the narrative that living in Africa is a punishment is insulting for those who live here and are working to build our countries, adding that people should come and see the progress that has been made. 
In my opinion, this has almost nothing to do with where the refugees are going. The UK's plan to offshore their refugee processing to almost anyone would make me upset. Every country has the responsibility to welcome refugees and process them effectively. I think this is just the latest example of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind policy that highlights the worst parts of modern life. We want jobs that don't hurt us, so we implement worker safety laws. Then we demand cheap goods, so we push manufacturing to developing countries with less strict protections. We want clean drinking water and air, so we implement environmental laws and then demand the output from dirty industries abroad. I'm just tired of the desire for a good life that only extends to the borders of our state. The world is a dirty, brutal, and tragic place. Wishing it weren't so and pushing its problems onto others doesn't change it. Sri Lanka's fuel stocks will last for about five more days, its power and energy minister said on Thursday, as the island nation awaits official confirmation from the Indian government for a new $500 million credit line for fuel. Sri Lanka is unable to make $725 million in overdue payments to suppliers and is also struggling to open letters of credit for future shipments. India has been a key supporter during the financial crisis, having poured in about $3 billion in assistance, including a $1 billion credit line for essential imports and a $400 million swap. Sri Lanka has reached out to multiple countries, including Russia, to discuss fuel import options that would provide supplies worth several months. Eurozone finance ministers shelved plans on Thursday to complete the banking union, a decade-long project built out of the financial and sovereign debt crises, settling for narrower improvements to the bloc's rules for handling bank failures. Eurogroup chief and Irish finance minister Pascal Donahoe had hoped to reach consensus on a work plan sketching out a way forward on four parallel work streams, including a common deposit insurance scheme dubbed EDIS to cover the savers' losses in case of bank failures. It also contained measures reducing banks' exposure to sovereign debt, creating a single market for banking, and agreeing on common rules on how to deal with failing banks. But Donahoe's plan didn't fly with capitals, with the main sticking point being Berlin's opposition to EDIS. A video showing Indian police beating a group of Muslims in custody has been viewed by millions after it was shared by an elected member of the ruling BJP party who praised their brutal actions as a gift to the men. The officers can be seen thrashing the men with rods, which they swing like baseball bats. The sound of the thwack as each blow lands is punctuated by screams. No action has been taken against the officers involved. The families of those who were attacked say their loved ones are innocent and should be freed. In lighter news, the fight to get a good internship is on this summer. Yesterday, Dutch intelligence agency AIVD published a press release detailing how it disrupted an attempt by what it said was a Russian military intelligence asset to gain access as an intern to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. The man was denied entrance to the Netherlands and was sent back to Brazil. 
This press release provided a wide array of information about the individual, including his real identity and his, quote, legend identity, a fake persona created by the GRU. The real name for the GRU asset, according to AIVD, is Sergei Vladimirovich Cherkasov. His false persona is Viktor Muller Ferreira. Cherkasov played a role as an ambitious political science student running an analytical website with pro-Western talking points and spent time at two prestigious universities, including Dublin's Trinity College and Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies. Better luck next time, Sergey. That's all the news we have for you this week. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at daily at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief and bonus weekend briefs. Last weekend, Chris and I spoke with Luke Schleusner, president of Out National Security, about LGBTQ plus issues in the field. Thanks to our new members and our longtime members for making these interviews possible. Go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes to read our sources and tune into our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief. <laughs> <laughs>